Hello everyone, Alexandre Vieira here and welcome to the 15th episode of the Economics of Everything podcast with yours truly and Alejandro Esquivel. Here on Econ of Everything, we believe that economics in its purest form is a study of how people make decisions. Thus, our goal is to make our audience informed decision makers in all parts of their life. Yeah, we will be doing this by breaking down topics we look at with data, research, and practicing theories. We will also be looking at topics critically and agnostically, which discourages empirics to employ an economic lens. The goal of our team is to break down the complex nature of economics to help you employ a critical thinking strategy and holistic approach on topics to help you become a better decision maker. So Alejandro, I'm very excited to be going through wealth building through real estate with you. This is a very big passion of mine and something I've spent the better part of the last three years really digging into the pros, the cons, and the how-tos. That's awesome. I'm excited to hear about it. So just to start off, I think it's really important for us to differentiate the different types of investment assets. I like to think of them as there's two major categories. There's hard assets which includes real estate investments and other hard assets such as factories, airplanes, and machineries. And then there's paper assets, which is stuff like the stocks of a company, mutual funds, and then bonds. Right. It's just about like how much work you can actually put into the asset. Can you actually like put some renovations into it? Um, yes or no. Uh, right. If you own a stock of Coca-Cola, uh, you know, you can't sit in the factory and like put in renovations to the to the factory. Um, <laughs> but if you own a soda making factory, uh, you can actually start to develop that asset. Yeah, it's it really does depend on, you know, a hard asset. I like to think of as something that you can actually touch in a stock or in a paper asset is something that is more theoretical. And it also kind of follows when it comes to risk and reward. Paper assets such as stocks and bonds tend to be on the lower risk, lower return spectrum, while hard assets such as factories and real estate is a higher risk investment, but it also has potential for a higher return. Definitely. So looking into real estate investments, it's shown to be one of the basis of more wealth in America than in any other industry. It's thousands of years old and it's been really shown to be a huge growth for wealth in a family or in generations for years and years. Just imagine going back to caveman time, whoever had the best cave in the best mountain got privilege over other people who had to find trees to sleep under. So that, that similar concept still applies today. Right. One, one astounding fact I think I've heard is, uh, the most millionaires made has been by real estate. And one quote one of my investor friends likes to say is real estate is a great way to get rich slowly. And that's always really important because once you start getting into those get rich quick themes, there's a lot of potential for you to get rich, but also a lot of potential for you to lose it all. Look at GameStop so, last week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's one of the downsides is it does take a long time for profits to be realized from a real estate investment, generally 50 to 30, 15 to 30 years. But that also means that you have the time for you to really weather any storms that can really be going through. 
looking at looking into real estate a little closer there's four different pillars that really make real estate a profitable business for anybody to get into the first is the tax deferred compounding value of the asset so the asset is going to be appreciating normally at the rate of the dollar mostly because construction costs tends to go up with normal appreciation in the market and so as the dollar appreciates in value, your house tends to go up in value on a similar or faster pace. The second pillar is a regular cash flow. So that comes in from after paying all your expenses, which is your mortgage, your property tax, insurance, and maintenance and management, then all the residual residual income is consistent cash flow that you can be expecting for the 15 to 30 years that you're, you're, you're gonna be holding that asset. When it comes to finding a tenant to stay in that property, that's really where your your fee of management really comes into play because it's really their job to make sure that the property is always full and that the tenants are all well taken care of. The third pillar that they really like to go into is reduced passive income through depreciation. That is a big tax benefit that our previous president has used and it's really beneficial for residential where you can depreciate the value of an asset by 27 and a half years and commercial buildings where you can depreciate the value of the asset by 39 years. So now, quick question, uh, mm -hmm. even if you put into a renovation, does it still technically depreciate? Yeah, that's the, that's the amazing thing is according to the government after the 27 and a half years, the assumption is that your house is completely gone, completely depreciated but in actuality, your house has been appreciating over those 30 years or over those 27 and a half years. And so it's really starts to double your returns, quote unquote, based on your lower tax bill that you have to pay. Awesome. So can you start depreciating as soon as you take ownership or is it only from the time it's built? Yeah, you can depreciate as soon as you take ownership. And then as soon as the property is passed on to another owner, then the depreciation clock resets. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth pillar that really brings it all together is the rate of increase for rental income over time tends to track with inflation. So as inflation rises, then cost of living rises in a city, then it is standard for a lot of real estate properties and their rents to raise with inflation. Or if you're a nice landlord, then you kind of keep it a little low just to keep your good tenants in. But that always makes sure that whenever you're investing in a property long term, even if the dollar, the value of the dollar decreases substantially, you can still get your standard of living from that property. Well, and the rent can naturally increase, uh, aside from inflation, from just like putting some money back into the property, making it look nice, uh, you know, getting some stainless steel um, appliances and getting some nice floors in. You can really start to make it look a lot better and, you know, make it feel a little bit more homey to justify those higher increases in rent. I agree. When it comes into any type of investing, I feel that a buy and hold strategy is always going to put you in a safer position. And using a buy and hold strategy, then you can really start taking advantage of all four of these pillars once you start looking into flipping 
and some sh some of these short-term investment strategies, then you might lose your de depreciation, maybe some of your regular cash flow, and even your rental increases over time. So those are really kind of uh, two different sides of the coin that you have to look into based on your investment strategy you're looking to do. Definitely. So looking at some of the biggest advantages of real estate, we're going to look in, well, some of the biggest advantages of real estate are it has a higher return compared to paper assets. That being said, it is a little riskier. However, the risk of holding property tends to be mitigated by using a buy and hold strategy versus an appreciation play where you're buying a house in California because you think the prices are going to go up. Not only that, but real estate can be a diversified asset by investing in locations that are dependent on different industry types. So if you really want to diversify your portfolio, but you wanted to stay in the real estate industry, you can buy one house in a location that's really dependent on oil. And as oil prices go up, then demand for oil goes up and more people go move there for the, for the better jobs. And then you can have another house in a location that's really centered on car manufacturing or healthcare and your property and your income for that property will be dependent on the sectors that are localized near the house. Right. There's, there's a ton of different markets that are out there that you can really start to invest in some type of cyclical economic sector by just investing in, in a different type of location, just like you were saying, like mm -hmm. where we went to uh, college in Whitewater, if you were to invest in a, a property there, you invested in college kids, mm -hmm. you know, you had a guaranteed occupant because there's such minimal housing in, in Whitewater that you're always going to have some sort of, uh, you know, three, four, five, six tenants that were always more than willing to, to occupy and, and pay their rents on time. Mm -hmm. And same mentality goes on. If the school does really well and the uh, amount of people going to school in Whitewater does better, then more people are, you're going to have more tenants and you can raise your rents. But then if the school has lower attendance and lower people applying for the college, then it becomes harder and harder for you to get your rents that you require. So the same mentality is always applied and real estate is always considered to be a hyper local market. So you can't really buy houses just across the US willy nilly without really knowing what's going on on the street by street, corner by corner sector of your neighborhood. Right. So. The second, the next advantage to real estate is it's your opportunities to add value. So this is something that you've been talking about a lot. And it's one of my favorite parts about investing in real estate is you have a hundred percent of control of your asset. If you are going through a recession, for example, and you need your property to give you a higher return than it currently is, you can always put some of your sweat equity, some of your time or some of your money into the property, fix it up and either get a higher cash flow with higher rents or just sell the property for a larger payday. So the ability to add value at any point in your ownership really gives you more control over the value of the asset in the long run. Right. And, and in a recession, people are need a place to stay. So it might be hard. It might be something that as a landlord, you have to kind of work through and come up with a plan for somebody, 
But at the end of the day, somebody is going to be more than willing to work with somebody on, on their rents more than a company who got a ridiculous size loan for some algorithm that they haven't even built yet uh, <laughs> is going to be uh, paying paying a dividend out of that. So um, <laughs> just the just stark comparison of needing a place to live versus some outstanding algorithm that's not even in the works yet uh, it is just night and day. And then the final benefit, which we have touched on, is the tax benefits. Incomes from a rental property can be depreciated against the asset and becomes a tax and, be, and can become tax free depending on how much depreciation you're getting and how much income you're actually receiving from the property. And then also the sale of the house, the tax from the sale of the house tends to be around 30, 30% being conservative, but you can defer that uh, tax through a 1031 exchange, which is really just buy your house sell your house so you can buy another one. And that's the mentality. And the US government have put a lot of codes into the tax law to really incentivize investing in real estate and growing community around your investments. Right, and you can hold that money in escrow for up to 90 days, correct? Yeah, you do have, there are some rules that go into it. You have to decide which houses you're gonna be buying and you do have a specific amount of time that you can purchase a house but you do have a bit of leeway between selling and buying your next one or multiple properties awesome now there are some pitfalls some of the largest pitfalls of real estate is first of all finding the correct cash flowing property like i said real estate is hyper local and so if you aren't invested in the mar in the market or in the community and you really don't know what's going on with asset prices nearby, you can really be in a disadvantage right when you buy the property. The second right. difficulty. Right, and if you don't have the right tenant, if you don't have somebody who's gonna pay on time, that can really start to hurt your your leverage and hurt that cash flow property like you were saying. So. It really goes down to how can you mitigate the risk ultimately to to no end, and you can you can do the financials comparing again to a paper asset. You can pull the financials. You could look at the executives board, the C suite, where the direction the company is going. But at the end of the day, you can't truly test somebody's character with a one on one conversation uh, with, with the CEO or with with the executive board. You can do that, however, with a tenant. You can screen them, make sure, you know, do your due diligence, make sure that they're a, a good character, good characteristically found person to want to be in inside of your, your investment. And that's very true. It's very, oh, your tenant ends up becoming either your best friend or your worst nightmare. And picking a quality tenant goes a lot, goes a long way into making your property a very cash flow and profitable industry. Now, your second pitfall that you're going to go run into is the upfront costs of getting into real estate in the first place. It does have quite a bit of a barrier to entry because of the difficulty it is to buy a house. And unless a sufficient down payment is paid 
to for you to buy the house, it might become difficult for you to have profits in a down market or even for the first few years until your mortgage hits your 20% and then you can drop your private mortgage insurance and you can start lowering some of your monthly payments. Right. Then we go into the ups and downs of the market. Now, if you don't have a buy and hold strategy, then the having ups and downs in large market swings can really affect your long-term returns and your income potential on the property. Now you can really avoid the impacts of the ups and downs. If you just plan on using a buy and hold strategy where you hold and you consistently have a quality tenant in there for the span of the 15 to 30 years. If you're doing a short-term six to 12 month flip, however, then having a market drop halfway through your flip can really take a burden on any profits that you're expecting to realize. Right, and in in the real estate market, it's a lot harder for insane fluctuations like in the paper asset world because ultimately people can't just sell out of a place in in like the stamp of a finger the click of a button like they can in in the paper asset world it takes time it takes effort to sell out of a house sell out of a property so the market as a whole tends to be a little bit more stable even through uh you know, even through recession, I mean, excluding 2008, but in in huge market fluctuations, it t- tends to be a little bit more stable because of the volume of transactions between buyers and sellers tends to be a little bit lower than high frequency types of types of paper asset trades. That's very true. And it kind of goes into one of the other pitfalls, which is a relatively high transaction cost. It's not the easiest or or the cheapest for you to be able to buy and sell your properties. And so it kind of forces people who own properties to stay into their properties. In addition, as you correctly stated, aside from 2008, in a lot of recessions, real estate prices did tend to appreciate because of its view as a safe haven asset and something that you can really keep your hands on and you don't really have to worry about. For example, one of the concerns of cryptocurrency is, is it really, does it really have any underlying asset value? And so that's a concern, but when you're in a recession and you're looking, you're fleeing towards safe havens, real estate tends to be an asset people look at. Right. And with that high transaction costs, it also advise, and I'm sure anybody looking into real estate is, but just do your research. You know, the great Charlie Munger, uh, one of the uh, biggest on the executive board of, of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway company said, the market may not have a cost, but you definitely will pay market tuition if you're wrong. <laughs> even if sometimes if you think you're right and you could be right in the long term, but that market tuition is going to pay. So in real estate, that market tuition can be a heck of a lot more than in the paper asset world. So make sure you're in a sound investment. Make sure you're doing your research before you go and, and buy real estate, which I'm sure anybody looking into real estate is doing, but just a cautionary tale. Very true. Trust, but verify.
age old words of uh, many mentors of mine. Sure. So last question that really goes into when you're investing in real estate is where to invest your real estate, where, where to invest your properties. Now, there are a lot of different neighborhoods and a really hard way for you to break them all down. But I like to think of them into three main classes. There's the class A real estate, which is going to give you either your lowest cash flow and your highest depreciation. Class B real estate, which is slightly higher cash flow and lower appreciation rates. And class C real estate, which is your highest cash flow, but however, has the worst tenant pool and is likely to see the lowest depreciation. So just to break it down a little further, when you're looking into doing a flip or a renovation, then I like to really look into the class A real estate where there's the newest buildings, the highest restaurants, the best schools. And that's where you're gonna find the wealthiest people with who are willing to pay top dollar for a freshly renovated house next to all of these really modern amenities. As we move down, you can still do your buy and flips in a class B real estate, but class B is ideal for a long-term buy and hold because it has decent restaurants, decent schools. It's a real middle-class area and it tends to have more blue collar workers who live pay paycheck to paycheck. And so it's harder for you to get top dollar for a top dollar renovation, but it's a really good location for you to buy a nice 15 to 30 year long-term rental and just have one of these blue collar workers live in there and you know live their life as you live yours. Class C real estate is really only used for high cash flowing long-term rentals and maybe some wholesaling because there isn't really a lot of profit there for if you're planning on doing large flips. And so those areas tend to be lower income areas with homes that are older than 30 years and it tends to attract low wage workers and people in government subsidies. So that tends to be where you see your second eights and your low, your worst tenant pools. So those are the three major classes of real estate that I like to look into. Personally, class B gives you the most flexibility into a, the largest range of investment strategies. So that's where I like to spend a lot of my time, but there's people that are interested in all types of risk and returns. Well, that's a good breakdown. If, if you really look into it, it's kind of like the same writings that you could see from, you know, like the corporate bonds and in, in the paper asset world, uh, the A's would be, you know, the, uh, the IBMs who, who's never missed a uh, dividend payment. Um, you know, the B's would be, no, uh, I, I actually, I'd argue the B's would be IBMs because that'd be capital. <laughs> um, and the A's might be, you know, Tesla, not always yep. paying a dividend, not turning a profit, but, you know, very nice, very modern, very up to speed. And the C's might be, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Coca-Cola or McDonald's. They're there, but there's, uh, you know, not, not a lot to be desired. So... That is the bulk of the information I really wanted to go through. It, we do have some examples on some returns comparing uh, real estate to the stock market. One thing I do like to see is when it comes to real estate, your returns tend to increase as time progresses because you're always paying down your mortgage with a future dollar, which always appreciates as we've been seeing recently 
We don't really want to see depreciation in the dollar just yet. Um, but as time progresses, you can have your returns on cash increase substantially and even just your returns on appreciation increase substantially. And when you finally sell after 30 years, you might realize a much larger profit than you were ever expected. Definitely. Yeah, you can really amplify and compound your your returns on real estate from just putting in a little bit of sweat equity, a little bit of money uh, into into that cash on cash return. So I really wanted to thank all of you for joining us on the 15th episode of the Economics of Everything podcast. We look forward to filling the world with more informed decision makers like you. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Econ of Everything, no G, and the Economics of Everything on LinkedIn and Facebook with a G. Also, we just launched a website, econofeverything.com. And contact us from there or at theeconofeverything at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm really excited about the website. Me and Alejandro and I have been putting in some work. We have some research out there. We have all of our podcasts out there. The econofeverything.com is going to be a cornerstone of the econ of everything as we move forward. And if you could leave us a like or a review on our podcast, or just go onto our website and give us some thoughts on there, we would really appreciate it. And we want to make this a better listening experience for you. The economics of everything. Our interest is always in your future value.